Good morning, Redemption Church. So what do you think? <laughs> um, I sat with Tom this week and I said, you know, Tom, I want to take a couple of seconds and just thank a bunch of people because all this stuff was kind of happening in the back of campus while we were uh, kind of minding our own business in the chapel. So I wanted to take a minute and I want you to hold whatever thanks you have for these folks until the end. So we'll just kind of flood everybody who's had something to do with this. Um, about, I think it was 10 months ago, I could be wrong, um, I kind of made a comment to uh, Neil and the elders about thinking about consolidating our services. And I went right away to Jack DeBartle. Jack, are you here? Where are you? He's right over here. Uh, Jack and uh, his family have attended Gilbert for, for years. He's since transitioned to the Arcadia congregation as an elder there, I think now, right? Um, but I said to Jack, I said, Jack, I think we, we need to do some kind of expansion. We need to get back together. And so uh, Jack, in a hurry, because we, I think 10 months, I mean, I think that's the totality of design, um, raising the money, getting permits, and building a building. That doesn't ever happen. But if you look around this place, this is Jack and Eric and all the guys at his studio. So um, we're really thankful to him. Um, the other thing that, that I had a chance to uh, observe during this construction was uh, there are different... Um, kinds of experiences you have with builders, and we got a good one. Um, Robert Porter and his team, uh, many of them are believers who understand what we're doing and why. I mean, if that's, if that's what it's like to build a building with good people, it's no problem. It was awesome, and they were here last hour, and I really appreciate them. We made a decision, too, as a, as a leadership team that we'd try to conserve as much as we can to make this happen, and one of the things we did was we went to our media team. That includes uh, J.J. Buckingham and Aaron Cass and, uh, and Mason and Tim Smith and that team um, and said, listen, can you install, do all the tech from video screens to... Uh, to wiring everything and hooking all the systems and lighting up. And uh, with the help of Jim Jorgensen in a design of an audio, these guys, our team, who amongst all their other work, did everything you see as far as tech in this building, which is amazing to me. I still can't believe it. Um, and, then there was, uh, and then there was you guys. I, I mean, be really honest, uh, we presented this to you in February. We are two-thirds paid for already. We're in the building um, I, I'm, I'm blown away at how God uses people, his people, to do his work. So let's put a corporate thank you together for everyone involved in this. Uh, obviously, I've been doing a lot of reflection. I didn't sleep at all last night, so if I say something heretical, you can blame it on that. But, uh, <laughs> I was excited, kind of like Christmas morning kid, you know. Um, I wanted you to see it. I wanted you to be together. I wanted you to sense the Spirit of God with each other, uh, reminding ourselves of His goodness. And so uh, last week when I said in the 930 service, I don't know if I said in all of them, but I was just kind of uh, reflecting on 16 years of sitting in a chapel, listening to a lot of sermons from Shrades and, and from uh, the people that I've met and the leaders who got developed here and the folks who grew up and went to other places to bless, bless other congregations, and I, I was just kind of at that moment kind of overwhelmed. Man, there's a wave of, of good things that has happened. Um, I don't know if you ever saw this movie. It's about 20 years old. It's called That Thing You Do. Anybody seen that movie? Um, I love that movie for some reason, but it's a movie about uh, these, this teen rock band who has a one-hit wonder. And it climbs the charts, and the last part of the scene uh, is, uh, the last part of the movie is they're 
They're about ready to go on live television, the equivalent of the Ed Sullivan show, right? And the, and the guy is counting down before they go on live TV, and the guitar player turns around to the drummer, and he goes, how did we get here? Do you remember that scene? That's exactly how I feel right now. About 16, going on, uh, going on 17 years ago, I moved here not knowing anybody, really. Didn't know this church, had no idea who Tom Schrader was. I'd left the ministry, and I remember my wife dropping me off at the church with a sack lunch, and I was sitting on the curb, um, 36-year-old man, wondering, what did I do um, out in front of the chapel? And uh, all those memories come through, and I'm left with one word to describe how we got here. Faithfulness. Not mine. God's faithfulness. God just proves himself over and over and over again, doesn't he? I mean, I'm going to spend maybe 10, 15 minutes reminding you of what you should already know. What should come out of us then is some kind of worship response that that maybe we don't tap into very often. The word in the Greek really has this idea of worthy of confidence. That's what faithfulness means. There are, I'm going to make a, a confession, there are some attributes of God that intimidate me. Okay? I'm being really honest. I know the gospel. I know Jesus. I know I'm covered. But when I think about him being holy and his justice and his omnipresence, sometimes I get a little itchy. You know what I'm saying? A little nervous. Like, like he is huge. And then there's some parts of God's attributes that I melt under. Grace, mercy. And this word we're going to spend some time on today that... Uh, Every person who calls himself a Christian has intersected with this, this idea of faithfulness somewhere in your life. And when you get done with your life, you're going to be able to look back and go, oh my gosh, the story is too big to even fathom. And so I want us to remember God's faithfulness. I, I think that, that attribute, by the way, is kind of a God-exclusive thing. Now, I understand we use the word faithful to describe friends and family, man. He's a, he's a faithful guy. That guy there, you can trust him and faithful, but not like this, right? Every one of us, you know, have experienced people that we thought we could trust who disappoint us. You know, when you're a kid and your parent, you catch your parents lying for the first time? Okay, that's how it starts. That's where it begins in your life. And then you have friends who, who promise to be there and they bail out on you, but God doesn't bail out on his children, Amen. He is truly, truly the essence of the word faithful. I'm going to go back and use an old, 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 old one-liner from a president named Harry Truman, and he said this. He says, if you want a really true and faithful friend, get a dog, okay? <laughs> That's human-to-human experience with this idea of faithfulness, but God's faithfulness is overwhelming to us. So I think uh, I could sit here maybe too long and describe my experience with God's faithfulness. I think everybody in here could, right? We'd all just take, a, take an hour or so and try to tell the story of God in our life. And experience is good, but it's not better than his word. So I thought I would just remind you of things you already know. And maybe when we're done, maybe the overwhelming sense of who he is and what he's done for us just moves us deeply. Because that's what his faithful love should do. There's a passage we're all familiar with. And maybe an obscure book of the Bible, Lamentations chapter 3, but we know this one. This is what it says. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love that verse, and I love the context of that verse. Lamentations is a collection of five poems, basically, describing the lament of Jerusalem falling. 
as far as the, the writer of that letter is concerned, all hell is breaking loose. And in the middle of feeling the weight of bad things happening, he recalls God. And he thinks, God, you are faithful. Every morning I wake up, you are new. Your mercies are new because you're a faithful God. You can't drop the ball no matter how bad my circumstances are. Another passage I want to remind you of is the Exodus 34 passage. Now, let me give you some history on this one. Exodus 34 is the story where Moses is going back up the mountain uh, to have God re-deliver the Ten Commandments, of which Moses broke just a chapter before, okay? And God, to Moses, introduces himself with these words. The Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, if you remember the story, here's, here's why God has to rewrite them. Because Moses was on the mountain at one point in time, and down in the camp, Israel had neglected God, and they had built a calf, uh, an image, a false god, and they were dancing around like idiots, worshiping something man-made. Moses sees that story, smashes the tablets, and here we are, 34, God is saying, now let me tell you, and here's what we know about God, he has every right to smash Israel completely, right? What does he say? I'm steadfast, and I'm faithful to my word. I abound in love. So we have a lot in common with Israel. We have a tendency to be perpetual knuckleheads ourselves, and that truth is ours. It's a reminder of God's commitment to, to us. Um, um, I would think, now I, this is just an observation. I spent some time trying to narrow my focus on passage. Almost every passage I found in Scripture that dealt with a reminder of the faithfulness of God came in the context of suffering and trouble, okay? Now, if God is reminding his people in bad times that he's there and he's faithful and he's true and can be counted on, how easy it should it be for us church here in 2013, sitting in a very nice room, thanking God for all the ministry he's done over the past 22 years. Pretty easy, right? Anybody home? Easy? <laughs> Pretty easy, right? It should be easy. God is good. Yes. And God is faithful, Amen. He's always been faithful. So I've been reflecting on some thoughts about God that I wanted to share with you. And, and just stealing that phrase from that movie, how did we get here? I'll tell you how we got here. Because God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. That's what we know. Here's what the scripture says in Psalm 89. I will not violate my covenant. I will not alter the word that went forth from my mouth. God makes promises, doesn't he? He makes promises to... Uh, Give his presence to his people. He says in Hebrews, I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's his promise to us, church. Somehow, God inhabits the praise of his people. And here we are, a thousand of us right now, experiencing the presence of God that he's, a, he's a showing his power to us and his protection over us. In fact, the scriptures say this in 1 Corinthians, God is faithful. He's so faithful to us, and he will never let us be shaken beyond our ability to bear up under it. That's God's promise to protect us. His promise to, to be our provision and to, to be the power, to, to lead his people. I love that quote that Luke shared, you know, above what I could even imagine or think, that's how God leads his people. To those who love God, he works all things together for our good and his glory, doesn't he? We understand that. We've, we've learned that. But those are promises that God made. He's promised rest. And I want to just stop for a second because I, we talked to our church. I don't know if you're visiting um, for the first time. We, we told everybody, bring a friend today. So my assumption, and there's at least one of you in here that doesn't normally go here, 
and you're here simply because of a relationship with your friend, I'm going to tell you something that's the best news anybody ever heard, and that is Jesus gives rest. He says this real clearly of himself, come to me those who are labor and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Here's what I know about life apart from Jesus. You're worn out. Sin wears people out. The condemnation, even if it was just your own on your own life, wears you out. Jesus says, give me your sin. I'll give you my righteousness. You will go free, free from the burden. Rest. What does the scripture say that God promises to cleanse us? Even if we're messed up and have horrible days and horrible weeks, the Bible says, 1 John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to do what? Forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love this promise. God says, or Christ says, I will build my church. Remember the story when he said that? He's asking Peter questions about who he is. Peter says, well, you're, you're the son of God. You're God in the flesh. You came from heaven to earth. Well, that's a supernatural reality right there. And God revealed it to Peter, and, God, and Jesus says to Peter, that truth right there, I'm going to build my church on that truth, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God builds his church. He builds this church. Whatever church we have, however much we understand, however much we can celebrate, how much we can restore to one another and deal with our sin, God does that. God is faithful to his church, amen? That's what he's promised over and over again. Let me remind you of just a couple more. How did we get here? Because God means what he says. Unlike everybody else in our world, he means what he says. Isaiah 55, this is God. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God says, I want to raise up sinners. I'm going to make dead people live. I'm going to give them life and I'm going to give them purpose. I'm going to have them be my ambassadors in this world. That's what I said and that's what I'll do. So if you're thinking, if you've been here for any length of time, if you just saw the snapshots in the video, you're recalling, yep, he did it. He did it, didn't he? He's done it, and he continues to do it, transform people's lives over time. I, I remember over and over again all the, all the truths that we learned and all the people that we've met and all the confessions that were made and, and all the kind of restorations that happened in our church. And I think, well, he's faithful to his word. That's what he does. How did we get here? Because nothing's too difficult for our God. I know this. If it depended upon me and my bulletproof character to see anything good happen, we're screwed. And it's true for you too. There's only one reason we're here, and that is because nothing's too difficult for him. He can take garbage and messed up lives and make them a beautiful picture of his grace to the world. Jeremiah chapter 32. This is God. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. And he asked this question, is anything too difficult for me? And the answer is... No, not, not at all. So I think about people who had train wreck stories, totally reclaimed by the gospel. Marriages split and broken, and you wouldn't ever think, there's no way that's getting back together. No way. There's too much, too much damage done. God put it back together. Too many things that happen that uh, is a result of our behavior, or our sin, or our lack of belief or obedience, and yet God... In the midst of all that mess, nothing's too difficult for our God. Amen? That's why he's faithful. That's why we trust him. How did we get here? Because he's the Alpha and the Omega, according to Revelation. Meaning this, 
that God knows the end from the beginning. Nothing surprises him. He's sovereign. He's sovereign over every particular bump or win in the whole picture of redemption Gilbert. He's doing something. He's got a plan. Nothing will stop it. How did we get here? Because faithfulness is his nature. You know, in uh, Galatians 5, when Paul is telling the church what the fruit of the Spirit looks like, when, when God's Spirit lives in us, it expresses itself with what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. The nature of God is faithful. That's how we got here, and he replicates it in his kids. How did we get here? Because his name is faithful. Revelation 19 is what it says of our Jesus. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and the one sitting on it, his name is faithful and true. Amen? That's how we got here, because God's faithful. Faithful to the gospel, faithful to sinners, faithful to use a bunch of broken, crippled things and put them together and do an unbelievable, only God could do it thing in the world around us. That's how he does it. God does that stuff. So I want to leave you with one so what today, Okay. 1 John chapter 3 says, see what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, and that's what you are. When God deals with sinners who, as according to scriptures, are dead in their sins, he raises us to life and adopts us as sons and daughters. We are now kids of the king. Here's what I know about parenting and children, okay? My kids look like their daddy. And I mean that in the good and the bad sense. I can look at my kids and go, I don't like that. That's what, that's what I do. But here's what God does when he raises up a family and he adopts us. He reflects himself in his children. They look like their dad. And here's what I know is going to happen. Here's what's happened, happening now, going to happen in the future. We are going to reflect our father. We're going to love each other. We're going to forgive each other. We're going to give of ourselves and our possessions for the kingdom and his cause, right? Those things happen. We're going to disciple and we're going to confess. And that's what God... So, the truth of it is that as God is faithful and our future as a church is directly connected to our reflection of that attribute of faithfulness. I'm really, really glad you're here today. I was, I was wondering who was going to show up. I had no idea. But I had this thought. Here's the thought I had. You know, we, we put these snapshots together, and it's kind of a collection of random videos and pictures over the last 20, 22 years of a church. And I thought, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that haven't been around for 22 years. They wouldn't know the faces on the, on the screen. But you're here now. And God's gospel has touched you, and you're... You're a child of the king, and here's what I thought. We're going to do another video in 15 years, and your face is going to be on it. You'll be one of those going under the water, demonstrating your faith in Jesus and his work in your life. You'll be one of those discipling a group somewhere, and you go, I, I couldn't lead my way out of a wet bag right now, but God's going to do something for you. I, I think as many as our people, we had a full house last hour. We had a half house the first hour, and we're full now. There's too many things going on here for us not to do several of those videos. Stories of God's faithfulness. When I was a kid, um, my dad recruited missionaries. So every summer, the family, all, all eight of us, and the Basset Hound would load up in the family truckster. 
Um, it was a 1961 Ford Custom Station Wagon. For those of you who don't know what a station wagon is, this is the precursor to minivan, okay? Anybody remember station wagons? The back of the station wagon had a seat that faced backwards. Know what I'm saying? We used to fight for that seat, you know? We lived in Texas. You could go 85 miles an hour in Texas. That's pretty fast for a kid in the front seat. You can't see stuff going by. But in the back seat, you could spend a long time watching what you went by. Every once in a while, somebody would scream from the front, hey, look at that, and we'd crane our necks to see what was ahead of us. That's what we're doing right now. We have spent some time looking back and going, wow, I can take some time now and see all the beautiful pictures of what God has done in his grace. But I want you to crane your neck. I want you to look forward to what God is going to do with this group of people called Redemption Gilbert. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, you are too good to us. You are faithful and you are true. That is your name and you have proved it to us over and over again. You've extended mercy and grace to us in Jesus Christ, our Savior. God, we, uh, we recognize what you have said about our condition now. We are a holy people, a royal priesthood. We belong to you. We're your possession. God, you get the glory for that. God, we're thinking about uh, a human calendar date, an anniversary kind of moment. But we understand, without a doubt, every bit of it, every bit of it is your loving, sovereign hand using crippled people to uh, tell the world of Jesus. God, we want to give you all the praise and glory. Amen.